Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My guests today are Johnny and Youssef from propanefitness.com, and it is another Life Hacks episode. We go through our favorite tools, tactics, websites, strategies, and resources for a productive and efficient life. And today, expect to learn the best sleep supplements we've found, how to get served faster at every restaurant, how to fix tennis elbow, why you need multiple gym memberships, a fix for caffeine dependency, Johnny's best new app for tracking your diet, how to beat procrastination, where to find the secret Pret-a-Manger in Heathrow Terminal 5, how to never lose your way during a speech again, and much more. <laughs> I really enjoyed sitting down with the boys. It was very, very nice to be back in the UK in the place where this podcast all began and recording with my bros. It was very fun. Uh, I'm back to Austin this Saturday, which is going to be good. And this Sunday, we are announcing the biggest ever episode that we've done on Modern Wisdom. I can't wait. The only way that you can ensure you will never miss when this episode goes up is by pressing the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and it does support the show. So thank you very much to all of you that do that. But now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Johnny and Youssef. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. There it is. It's Mubarak. So, if you're not familiar with this, Life Hacks, it's the longest series that we've done on Modern Wisdom, tools, techniques, and tactics for a productive and efficient life. We do a roundtable. Each of us proposes something that we've fallen in love with over the last few weeks about how to create a perfect toasted sandwich or get out of a parking fine or a brand new seat that you can sunbathe in appropriately naked while your neighbors can't see, whatever it is. And then the other two will critique or go and buy it immediately on Amazon. Links to everything we talk about are in the show notes below. And as is tradition, even in 2023, uh, Jonathan, there is a <clears throat> hot potato for you there, my friend. What have you got life hacks wise? Those fake life hacks that you just reeled off sound, all sounded fantastic. We should. Well, no, you did one about toasted sandwich. You did one about how to create the perfect toasted sandwich. Oh, so maybe about real two and a half years ago, yeah. My God, I can't even remember my own life. I should maybe go back and be like, wow, what a great idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my first one, well, you might, you'll probably want to change what I say when I say this based on an email I received from you very recently. I was going to say, given the time of year, given what everybody will be doing, given it's the first one, it's the one everyone listens to, the some sort of annual review process. So we've all used the Chris Sparks annual review, but I believe, Chris, do you have your own now? I have taken out? a uh, menage a trois from a bunch of different uh, productivity thinkers. Phenomenal. David Perel, Chris Sparks was heavily influential, uh, some stuff from the Six Minute Diary, some other shit that I picked up online. Uh, and yeah, if you want to go and get that, you can go to chriswillx.com slash review. Uh, it is not too late to do an annual review, even though it's the start of January. Uh, you can go and do that. It'll help you to go back over your last year and set goals for the new one. But yes, 100%. Doing an annual mm. review, uh, super, super important. Why do you do yours? I think the, well, I think everybody tries to set, a goal. people try to set like resolutions and goals and things like that. I think the review process, um, some of the questions that 
that I that I like going over the most are like what are the what things in the year made you most happy? What things in the year did you enjoy doing the most? Who did you like spending time with the most? And then almost sticking those things in your calendar straight away. So like trips away, places you went, um, hobbies you picked up, things you stopped doing. It's just such an easy way. Like things you would maybe if you don't have a, a time to sort of sit and formally look back on a period of time and think, you know, what should I do more of, do less of, add back in again. You can sometimes go years and think like, oh yeah, remember when I used to, like, remember when we did that, that was really good fun. We should do it again. So that, that sort of process, looking through your camera reel when you're doing it, looking through your calendar when you're doing it, um, looking through message history and stuff with people, um, all ways to bring up prompts that you would maybe just, they would just drift into your past and you'd forget. Um, and then doing that before you set any goals or targets or um, resolutions for the year, really helpful. But I think following something that's guided specifically, that's the reason I mentioned it. So I think sitting with a blank document and reviewing your year, very difficult to do. Having kind of guided questions or prompts, very, very useful. So, so there's a, yeah. a section that I stole from David Perel that goes in the, the review that I talked about where he, he has a favorite memory, favorite new city, favorite new song, favorite live show, uh, favorite sex, like favorite interaction mm. with an animal, what, like da, 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 da. <laughs> Hopefully like it's, not the same thing yeah perhaps you'd hope not but having that down is just it, especially after you accumulate a few years of those there's things that you'll definitely have forgotten that you've done mm. and you go back and you go oh, fuck remember when we did that thing and i fell in love with zoos for six months i think that's the key you know that you said johnny about things fading into the the murky past and then you look mm. back and you're like, oh yeah like this is why you just got to write stuff down and there's there's no there's nothing that will substitute for just physically going through a process and writing it down. Otherwise, like if you just think, oh yeah, my goal is this guarantee in a year's time, you'll have forgotten that it was even a goal and you end up with one of two situations. Either you've totally smashed the goal and you look back on it and you're like, wow, I can't believe that was actually something I really wanted to hit. And now I've blasted straight past it because it seems so mundane. And if you just said that verbally, you would have forgotten and you would have, wouldn't really have felt like there was much progress mm. or you set the goal and you didn't get anywhere near it and you look back and you go, oh, I'm an utter twat for having not done anything to move towards that goal. Right, let's refocus, let's do it properly this year. The other reason that you've got to do the review first before you set the goals is the goals manifest, they grow out of the review, right? If you mm. end up setting a bunch of goals that help you to achieve a thing, which this year you looked back on and reflected as a negative experience, like I hate my time working on statistics and I want to move more into the creative realm. My goal for next year is to get another statistics qualification because you haven't realized that statistics makes you miserable. You end up circling this sort of uh, liminal purgatory of always doing the same thing badly. Mm. And I think like the whole... 80 20 analysis of why things are good or why things are bad. Let's say you've had a really good year in your career, for example. One of the questions in um, the re review I was doing was saying, like, which habits do you think, uh, if something's gone well, which habits do you think were responsible for that or which actions were responsible for that? And when you really sit and think about it, it's usually stuff that you're like, oh, yeah, it's probably just this. What was yours? Like it, so things like um, consistent sleep routine, like th this year, because I've been over to the US a couple of times and had my sleep like forced out of a rhythm for a few times. I think realizing that um, the days where I've struggled in general with anything like training, productivity, concentration, anything is just when my sleep is um, thrown out. So just a con I know it's such a, it's like grandparent style advice, isn't it? Like get, get your eight hours in. But I think 
just a reminder that like when things have gone well for me this year, my sleep's been really, really good. Nice. Um, for nice example. Uh, Yusuf, what you got? You are. You might not be able to see it. There. See that little white box in the background? Yes. What is it? Leaning against the other white box, yes. which is also a life hack. <laughs> what is, what's the first one? First white box is a red light therapy box. So that's from a company called Block Blue Light. Um, we have a we have a discount code as well, which is just propane. But it's a way to offset the something you you just mentioned before we started, Chris, which was that it's two thirty and it's starting to get dark in December in the north of England. So this is not quite a sad lamp. It's the other spectrum of of red light, uh, which you can't. You, you only get from sun exposure. It doesn't tan you. It has a completely different mechanism of action. Uh, these boxes do both red and infrared. And I recently did a review looking at how it affected my blood parameters, my inflammatory markers, my immune markers and all that stuff. Um, and surprisingly, because it, it seemed really gimmicky and really biohacky to China red light box, but the data is actually really compelling. Uh, and there's just multi-system benefits across immune, endocrine, mood, muscle recovery, just so much stuff from red light therapy. Buying a box is way more cost-effective than going to a clinic that does red light therapy for £70 a session or something, because that thing costs about three, £400, and it'll obviously last you forever. So by the time you've had five treatments, you've broken even. So I think in terms of easy win, red light box is the one. What's your protocol for using it? 10 minutes front and back. So you, there's different protocols depending on the strength of the, the light and how far away from you're sitting and how deep the tissues are that you want to treat. So there's lots of variables to play around with. I've got a, a kind of a rough guideline um, on the video as well, but there's a book by Ari Witten who goes deep with it. Like really, what's the TLDR? Just tell us what you need to know. Deep. The the TLDR is ten minutes front and back. I think <laughs> unless you've got a particular area that you're looking to treat, and then then you've got to consider like distance and wavelength and power transfer and all that stuff. Why use a red light lamp and not a sad lamp? Sad lamp, different mechanism. So should you be using um, both? Can you get something? Is there such a, a red light and sad combination? For the people that don't know, that's seasonal affective disorder lamp. It's like a super bright lumen thing that's supposed mm -hmm. to give you, that's more circadian rhythm, melatonin, cortisol mechanism, right? Yeah. So that, that's more to wake up in the morning. So if you, if you went, like if you're living somewhere in like Finland or Iceland or something and you, you go out and there's just barely any sun, then you might you might need a sad lamp but generally sad is on the blue light spectrum and i think we're already getting more than enough blue light from staring at screens all day so personally that's not something i would invest in um and then red light therapy is less to do with circadian regulation and it's more the kind of other benefits that you get from from is cellular hormesis melatonin mediated effects what did your blood markers say <clears throat> to be honest, they went from normal to normal, which I'm quite pleased about. There are people who have in the data, there's dysfunctional thyroid that have that has normalized and actually people coming off thyroxine entirely, which I think is insane from using red light therapy on the thyroid from in sort of targeted way. 
Uh, my inflammatory markers went down a little bit. I think my testosterone went up slightly, but not not enough for me to say, oh, yeah, it was definitely that that caused that. I also heard that certain types of red lamps don't actually produce the right type of red light. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess that you've checked to make sure that the particular <laughs> brand that you're using isn't just a red bulb. That, yeah, that's a very good point. So there are there's a lot of cheap red light boxes that, just shine a red light and you think oh yeah that'll do but there's only the specific wavelengths and power levels that you need and a lot of the chinese manufacturers will just produce something that looks looks like it's good and sell it for cheap the manufacturer of this guy I had a long long chat with him and, and podcast where he goes into the process and the the different kind of testing kits that he's got at home to when he goes to china and taiwan and and kind of discusses the specific specifications that he wants of the the bulbs and make sure that they are within the therapeutic range very nice just to add it's something that so it sounds pretty woo woo doesn't it like it doesn't it sounds a bit strange sitting in front of a red light i have been doing it but i do 20 minutes all all on my front because i can't be bothered to turn around halfway um it just feels nice so i just do it while i meditate in the morning like sort of technical benefits aside i think if something feels nice and is a pleasant thing to do and makes you feel good afterwards, you probably keep doing it. Um, you know when you like sat in front of an open fire? Yeah, a similar it feeling. feels really, like, wholesome. Mm. It's, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, open fires radiate red and infrared oh, as well. Fantastic. I've got something down there. I can't see what it's actually goose. called. It no, goose? not the fucking goose on the bed. I've got a red light over there. Uh, I, got a, I got a pocket one, um, which is three by four. So it's only like you would be able to carry it in a bag. Uh, and I really enjoyed that as well, sitting down and just having that on me. So I'm all for trying it. Uh, what's the company that you suggested and what's the code? Block Blue Light and the code is propane. Cool. So, right. And what's that get you off? That's, I guess, 10, 10% off, I believe. So there's, they have a UK and a, and a US, New Zealand, Australia website. It's the same company. That a while ago, I mentioned I bought some red light glasses that yep. worked. Same yep. same brands. If you want to pick some pick up pick up some of those that actually work as well, they are the same. It's the same manufacturer. Cool. All right. So my one. Uh, this I used while I was in Vegas the other week, and it is remember the server's name. So mm -hmm. the server will always come over and introduce themselves, or they'll usually have a, a name badge on, and it just makes such a difference. Being able to shout your server's name across a crowded room means, and using it consistently as well. Thank you, Brittany, or thank you, whatever it is means that you're going to get served first. You're going to probably get your drinks brought over uh, at, and make sure it's going to be in the nicest glasses, make sure it's going to be using, you know, everything is going to be done to a better standard if you remember their name. It means that you can get their attention when you need to check, when you need to do whatever. And it just actually feels quite polite. So I just, it, it shocked me how much I hadn't bothered to remember the server's name. And it also shocked me how much of a difference it made in a crowded Las Vegas Strip Hard Rock Cafe at 8 p.m. at night on a Saturday. It surprised me how much of a difference it made. So remember the server's name. Nice. How how much has your attitude to tipping changed since you've gone stateside? You're strong-armed into it, frankly. <laughs> mm. It's a struggle session. And, I mean, I, I once went to a venue where I tipped the serving girl, I want to say 15%, on a pretty large bill. So it's maybe 15% on a 50 buck round of drinks. And she looked at the paper, 
printed a new receipt out, turned it back around, pushed it toward me and said, let's try that again, shall we? Wow. Like she, really? was quite, she was quite sassy, so it was like funny or whatever in any case. But uh, yeah, that that happened. So Even with a high sass- sassometer, that is cheeky. Sass through Goodness the roof, me. man. Yeah, but it's, it is what it is. No, like, it's, it's not really just, a tip then, is it? If 15% they're like, oh no, that's not good enough, sorry. Then why? how is it optional? Well, they'll do a lot of the time now, they have these iPads that pivot two ways. So the iPad is both the till for the server to use. And this is the same in Starbucks, in a bunch of, you know, whatever restaurant or, or quick use cafe, during which the serving staff have had zero input to do mm. with the creation or service of your food. They've put it into a bag. It's like, hey, look, if you heat up a toasty, do I, is that 5%? Is that 10%? <laughs> but they'll flip it over and on it, there's preset levels, sometimes like 15, 20, 25 custom. And it, they preset the numbers. So if it starts 20, 25, 30, and you go, well, if I go into custom and then say nothing, and then usually there's a queue of people behind you that can all see over your shoulder at what you're about to press, and then you've got how to sign your name. How much bastard you are. Yeah, exactly. It, I hate it. very Just much a struggle how session. how much I, want to, I need to pay. Like, don't give me options. <laughs> Look, it is what it is. Johnny, what you got? Okay. Um... I was just thinking about my my tipping experience in Hawaii. It was very very similar. What happened? Well, just just that the the iPad thing, like the fixed. I don't remember there being a custom option. So I can remember standing in an airport in Hawaii, paying fifty dollars for two like paninis and two coffees in this in a Starbucks because it was the only place to get breakfast. So you're fifty dollars it fifty quid in basically at that point, and then they twizzle the iPad and go. How much would you like? Not would you like to tip? How much would you like to tip? You thinking? It's getting emotionally blackmailed into paying more. <laughs> yeah, it's just tough. Um, so this one is something I've been doing with training recently, um, and it's something I've just found kind of. T- my training's been very like bodybuilding focused, like not powerlifting anymore really. Um, and I find like doing three, four sessions a week, the same routine every week, a little bit dull. Um, so I took a four session program and this is not really, really a life hack, but it's, it's been really interesting for me. It's made training more fun. I take four sessions a week of a training split and do, but I only train three times a week. So every week is different. Like it rotates it every week. So every, I think it's like a month to do the full cycle. Um, that's helpful. And secondly, if you've been training a while, um, like more than a couple of years, you'll have everybody's run into that problem where you can only do an exercise for like three, four times before you're just running up against like hitting the same reps and the same load. And it's very, very hard to progress. So taking something and spreading it over like eight, nine, 10 days extends that cycle and makes it slightly easier to eke a little bit more out of a training program. So and you can do it out obviously with anything, right? So five days into four, four days into three, three days into two, whatever you want to do. Are you actually compressing the days down or of a four day split, are you only doing three, which means that the following week it's back, legs and chest. And then the yeah. week after that is arms, back and legs. Yeah. So week one is like ABC. Week two is D, A, B, yes, et cetera. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, and it just keeps it interesting because it fe- every week, even though it's, because you, you know you kind of build that association of like well monday is the day when i do like bench and then cable fly and then that no longer exists so each each week you're doing a different combination tiny change um but has quite a big effect i found like recovery progression keeps it interesting nice i like that totally free as well seth this one is from alice dr alice the volcanologist 
which is to eat the most boring meal of the day post-workout. So the day where you, you've got the most points to spend should the, the meal where you've got the most points to spend should should really be like the evening where you can enjoy it socially usually a post-workout meal is kind of a it's just a utility meal so have the most boring meal of the day there where you you check all of your nutritional boxes to save some some of the fun calories for later would there not be an argument that if you're eating you should try and avoid any of the meals being boring that you don't need to necessarily <laughs> have boring nutritional meals sometimes it's unavoidable if you if you see your your Give total me an example day is like, of a kind of meal that is unavoidably boring you're just <laughs> having to defend a life hack that isn't it's his. not even mine you submitted it you submitted it you want to stand up for this lady true someone who if, if you've got micronutrient targets or certain vegetable intake or something the other way to, to think of it though is, as you say is to if you're going to play around with the goalposts is to say just train before you go out for a social meal and then you can have an exciting social meal with the most calories in post-workout. Mm. Mm. What are you doing Teach with your you... diet at the moment, Johnny? What am I doing with it? Mm. What do you mean? Are you, tra- are you tracking anything? Are you... Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm trying to to get down to 89 kilos from 94. So I've kind of done my, my weight loss in two phases. So phase one was when I was like 105, took it down to 95. And I was like, right. I'm done with dieting for a while. So from like July of this year just passed, or last year, if you listen to this, uh, up to now. And then I'm going to try and get down to sub-90. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Should be quite lean at, at sub-90. But uh, that involves tracking, which actually links to one of my one of my hacks. Well, you can so hack fire because I've, I've, I've got one that I've been playing around with since I've been in Austin, and it's have multiple gym memberships. So I'm spoiled for choice in Austin with like on it training center, atomic athletes, um, <clears throat> lift ATX, tons of gold gyms all over the place. There's this place called Los Campeones, which is like a, a dreamland for lifting in. And most of them in big cities, at least that I've seen in America that are quite competitive like this are about 40 bucks. So it's maybe 40 or 50 bucks to right. get a good membership at one of these <clears throat> spit and sawdust style bodybuilding type gyms. And my current armory setup of gyms is uh, one with very broad open and closed times. So that's the commercial gym usually for me that's a Gold's. Uh, it's also the one that's got the quietest atmosphere. It means that I can go in and do listen to stuff, prep for work, usually episodes while I'm in there training. Then I've got one that I can go and train with my boys, which is Lift ATX. That's spit and sawdust, gangster rap and slipknot. And that's like a really cool, very social open gym. That's good. And then the final one is a gym that has group classes if I need to externalize motivation and that's on it at the moment. Or Atomic Athlete would be another one. You don't need to have this entire like armory portfolio of gyms. But it is good to have at least two, I think. Dean has had this problem since he's been back in Newcastle. He's between Newcastle and Middlesbrough. And he's training at Reebok CrossFit Tyneside, which a year ago he loved and now he's bored of. And he wants to go somewhere new. But a year ago, he really loved Reebok CrossFit Tyneside. And a lot Mm. of people, I think, have fallen out of love with their training when what they've done is fallen out of love with their gym. You just need to be in a new environment with new music, different machines, different people to talk to, different routes to get there. And you would be surprised how much extra energy you can inject into your training if you just train in a new location. I like the different moods of workout as well, where you've got 
the set type of session where you just need to get it done you've got other stuff on your mind and then you've got like the social session and so being able to choose that it's a lot to coordinate but i can see the utility in it what does your training look like if you've got like it sounds almost like different training modalities as well yeah it is but i it's just moving as much as i can getting as much sunlight as i can not trying to stick to any one program too rigidly and just enjoying training and stuff so mostly bodybuilding style things, some high intensity stuff, and then two sessions of pickleball a week for kind of outright cardio, and then sitting on the exercise desk when I can, when I remember it. Is the goal just enjoy it? Be healthy. Like, yeah. Be healthy, enjoy it. Cool. Put on a good bit of size with Zach throughout the back end of this year doing bro splits in lift, but we both started to just get a bit lethargic and training got a little bit boring, so we've now added in these group classes on it a little bit this is postmenopausal symptoms oh again yeah well i vacillate back and forward you know i become pre-menopausal again and then i go back through it all over again i saw you doing some incline bench with ollie from bring me the horizon did do some incline bench with ollie from i was bring pretty me impressed i think you're doing like 100 100 kilos or so 100 pounds oh was it it'll be pounds it? definitely not 100 kilos 100 right. kilos per arm no, on, on an incline barbell bench press. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you were doing 100 kilos? I was, yeah. I think that's pretty good, Chris. Thank you, thank you. No we have been lifting a lot this year. We put on a lot of size this year, just eating, but eating like an arsehole as well, just eating everything <laughs> in sight, like constant desserts. It's not been the highest quality calories, so I'm going to try and dial that back in this year. There's a real difficulty I have blending the mental sharpness I get from intermittent fasting with the lack of physical degradation that i get from having like regular meals that are of high quality throughout the day i find it very difficult to maintain a good physique whilst doing anything close to a hard intermittent fast well chris have you thought about having your most boring meal of the day (laughs) 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 he's got you there i knew he's gonna come full circle eventually (laughs) right john johan what have you got give us uh so it's a it's a triple Triple pronged hack. I love it. Uh, which is three things in unison. I think I've meant, well, two of them have definitely been mentioned before. Uh, so the first one is something that I actually heard on Modern Wisdom recommendation from Derek at More Plates, More Dates, which is to take like a standard day of eating. So it, it, it's the setup you would normally have on like a regular day. Plug it into something called Chronometer, which is a, an app that's iOS. Mac app. I'm sure it exists for Android as well. Um, and it just scores you based on your micronutrient profile. So just as, a, as an RDA percentage, where are you short on like vitamin C, A, D, K, etc. It is extremely difficult to get anywhere close. I don't know whether anyone's ever tried this before. It's something Yusuf and I have spoken about. Way harder than you'd think to do that. Um, the thing, however, it's so cool to see it. So you put in your normal food intake for the day. And then it's got like pre-saved. It's got um, quite a few popular supplement brands. So you plug in an athletic green serving and everything goes from being like 5%, 10%, 10% to like 300%, 300%, 300%. So first one, first hack is that, is like if you are trying to improve your diet in the new year, which so many people do, um, I do think it's important to look at the macronutrient and the micronutrient profile. Stick your diet, stick an average day into chronometer and see where you fall. Second thing is Athletic Greens still using it, which is a hell of a testament. Yep. And then the third thing 
which is another tip that um, I gave a while ago, which is something else I'm still using over a year later, is Macro Factor for tracking macros. Um, that app is getting better every... I mean, they've just done another update. Um, the guys behind that really know what they're doing. And with MyFitnessPal, just adding some... making some features premium. Um, if you're finding that annoying, like the barcode scanner being, now being a premium feature and you want something Perfect else... Storm. Like MyFitnessPal yeah. managed to to trip over their own feet at the same uh-huh. time as a major competitor stepped into the ring. Why not use chronometer for everything? Why have chronometer to do micros and macro factor for macros? It's just not got the best um, like database of, of popular brand items, chronometer. Um, and macro factor's not... It, macro factor has micronutrient profiles, but it's not quite as good as chronometer. Um, so chronometer's good for like inserting the single ingredients once and like doing that process once. But if I'm going to have like a, a dinner at a restaurant, the chances of it being a chronometer of Iceland, I tested it because ideally that would be what you would do. Right. But yeah, the, the database and also the track the functionality on macro factors way beyond that. It'll even adjust your macros for you if you want it to. Is that the so, thing when we went for a avocado salad in Heaton a few months ago, Yusef, that you just spoke it into your oh, phone. Yeah. You said, yeah, record one avocado salad with an egg, and then it just came up and put it in. Yeah, so that, I mean, that, that's a great feature. I feel like we've not even mentioned it. Yeah, I haven't is, even mentioned that. Yeah, so it's got like an AI recognition thing. So you could say, um, yeah, ro- roast chicken dinner with potatoes and whatever, and it'll it'll generate it, and it'll give you suggested servings, and you go, oh, yeah, I think that's about right, and mm. you can add it in. Um the we i think we have a code for that as well but it's just for an extended trial yeah they don't do any discounts sadly um Um, yeah they do a seven or 14 day trial so good how much is membership Um, if you want to stick about after that 60 quid a year or something like that yeah so not much if that's going to be the basis of your tracking yeah yeah so if if you've used something like my fitness pal or something like that in the past um, and you want a, an equivalent, and you also want it to adjust your macros for you. It also gives you like an estimated end date for, so you plug in like your target weight, it recommends some calories for you, it tells you how long your diet's going to be, and it adjusts your macros each week based on how, what, you, what your weight changes do. Wow. For, it's pretty cool. I heard it's that, really um, is it Mike Isretel has got, no, it's not, it's uh, Zach's friend from uh, Thingy Strength that has a... Great name. Uh, I can't remember the fucking name of it. RP strength. Maybe uh, that has a an AI lifting program now. Oh, oh Juggernaut. Yeah. Juggernaut training system. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and he's basically created a scalable, completely leverageable, ultimately scalable, personalized training platform. Yeah. So I've I've given that a try. Um, it's pretty impressive. I don't use it personally, but. Um, I've seen some examples of like of some quite high level powerlifters using it and peaking for it, and I think so. The guys, the 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 sort of the developer guy behind it, I think is called Garrett Blevins. I think his name is. He's a US uh, on the US powerlifting team. He's just like coded an app for a for a bit of a side now side making, giggle. Now he's making crazy cash. Mad bank. Right, yeah. Yusef, what you got? Can I just wedge in a, a post hack for for Johnny's there, which is also if you're struggling, if you're not very inventive with meal planning, use Eat This Much. So either an app or a website, eatthismuch.com, and you just say like I'm having breakfast or dinner or lunch, and it says, oh, do you do you like 
blueberries? Do you like almonds, whatever? And it'll just generate you things that you should eat as a as a meal plan. It's very good. Um, so my hack is the wobbly sausage. I recently. What are you brandishing at us? This is my wobbly sausage. Okay. It's a Theraband, I believe. It's not going to go in focus, is it? No. Um, I've been plagued with elbow problems over the last few months, and this has been the only thing that's helped to fix it. So if you're someone who does a lot of things like weighted chin-ups and heavy rows and stuff that just really aggravates that bit of your elbow, it's possible, as I'm living proof, to get golfer's elbow without having ever played golf. Um, and tennis elbow without having ever played tennis. So, <laughs> and it's so painful. And it gets to the point where, like, using your handbrake in your car or opening jars and stuff is exquisitely painful. So, the wobbly sausage is brilliant. Just something that you can then do like negatives with. You can do lots of reps, and it it does. You you get a pump on exactly the area that is sore so for the people um, that are for the people that are listening and not able to see what it is that you're brandishing at us you're not using this as a soft tissue tool you're using a kind of rolling pin flexible rolling pin to actually do movements forward and back with your wrists yeah using it as twisty or you can use it as actual wobble. like this is genuinely one of the exercises i have yeah yeah let's be <laughs> let's let's go steady with that one shall we i don't want to get demonetized I also don't. I don't believe you. You said that that's one of the exercises. So the the guide even had like one where you you get a band and you hold it with your right hand, stand on it with your left foot, and then you you do that overhead to try and stabilize your shoulder. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm sure that you understand the mechanism that's going on. Why does golfer's elbow occur? What's happening? So it's it's been debated because it used to be the theory that it was an inflammatory process. And now we think it's to do with the tendon matrix getting disrupted. Um, but it can just it it's probably like a combination of tissue level and sensitization events happening at that point. But it's just so localized and so painful that anything you do starts picking the scab with it. So part of the goal is to like stretch it away, work through the pain a little bit, get, get you know, after you've recovered to re desensitize yourself to the area but then also to strengthen the area through doing lots of negatives and wobbly sausage yeah well i was going to ask what the fucking mechanism was if you were going to say it looks like a miniature foam roller right it looks like a tiny little foam roller i was going to say what are you actually doing if you're going to go back and then do the same exercise again how are you expecting a different result if all you've done is loosen up the area like this was what i got mm. red pilled by sam spinelli uh the strength therapist uh, about <laughs> a, a little while ago. <laughs> We're going to have to explain that. So, We're laughing because Dr. Sam Spinelli uh, had a handle on Instagram called The Strength Therapist. Now, one of the problems, if you write out The Strength Therapist all in one word without capital letters, you can also spell The Strength The Rapist. And it seems like he became aware of this after a while and changed it to at Dr. Sam Spinelli. Anyway, what he told me was that soft tissue feels nice but doesn't make a massive amount of difference to long-term injury. Mm. Unfortunately, it, it's it's a way to kind of get ac temporary access to a new range of motion or a, a new kind of pain-free range that you then have to do something with. You can't just do the foam rolling and then be like, oh, I've done, I've done the work now. 
What's the brand of that thing again for people that want to check it out? It is Theraband. They're quite the a big OGs. company. They seem like a they, that that seems like an oddly brand name purchase for you, Yusuf, that you would have probably tried to get from Alibaba. I I just thought I'm not I'm not making any shortcuts with my elbow. I've I've wrestled with enough. this problem enough. Yeah. Um I got the green greeny blue, I don't know what you call that, turquoise one. Yeah. Um there's different levels. This is the medium, I believe, and I think it's just about right for rehab. You don't regret that not getting a stronger one? No, because you I think if you go too hard with it, it's you just kind of picking the scab further with the injury it's such a like nuanced topic about when you look at resistance bands and and other um the, the density of foam rollers do i want extra firm do i want firm do i want medium <laughs> because there's no way there's no gradient that you can actually test until you get it and the number of times that you get it and go for fuck's sake this is way too soft or way too light i'm gonna have to basically just buy another one have you ever gone too hard uh, i think i got the captain of crush and i got yeah. like level four or something think you know so and it's like it I, I looked even into move. It and you're like, oh like three people in the world have ever closed it like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> or if you like accidentally get a you know if you're trying to get like a resistance band to do some shoulder rehab with and you you get something that's too much and you can't even get it past like yeah yeah but then <laughs> one that's one that's totally pointless that, that you can basically see through is also useless like, i'm just Mm. flinging a piece of to- sh- single sheet of toilet paper around yeah like just moving my elbow <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. okay um hack productivity with the zygonic effect by leaving sentences part finished we've spoken about the zygonic effect before it is a psychological bias that was discovered by this guy who was studying waiters and waitresses in uh restaurants and he was very impressed. It's super impressive when you see someone that comes up and asks you your order and doesn't write anything down and they're just looking at you while you say it. This lady did it in Vegas for an entire table of 10 people. Drinks, starters, and mains didn't write a single thing down. Nothing was wrong. And it all came out to the right people as well. It's like, fucking hell. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's 20, 20% to 25% tip worthy. <laughs> like, if you want to do, like, to give yeah. us a bit of a flourish, you do some card tricks or sing or something. But, um, what this guy realized is that the servers had an unbelievably accurate ability to recall what each table had ordered while the orders and checks were still open. And as soon as the checks had gone, their ability to remember things had completely vanished. It's the same as anyone who, like me at university, crammed for exams. You'll be able to remember really, really closely what it is, all of the different accounting principles or whatever that you've been researching. And yet, as soon as the exam's done and that loop is closed, everything's gone. And this is the same reason that Netflix shows use cliffhangers at the end of them to get you to watch the next one because the human mind abhors this sort of open loop and it likes a closed loop. So it's the open and closed loop dynamic that we've got. And the way that you can use this to hack productivity is give yourself an easier in when you go to restart a project. And this is something Michael Malice does as a writer. I know a bunch of my other writer friends do as well, that they leave sentences part finished as they close the day out which means that when they then begin the next day, it's really easy. How hard is it to finish a sentence? Like you're already, you're basically up and running already. And then before you know it, you're writing. It also means that your open loop system is a little bit more activated throughout the remainder of the break between doing the project again, finishing it and doing it again. Uh, So you're thinking about it a bit more. You're considering what it is that you need to do. So I do that with some of the stuff that I'm starting to write now. I'm starting to do some longer form stuff. And uh, yeah, leaving sentences part finished is a nice solution. Nice. So you're not having to start the day and kind of crack the shell of the task, and it's oh, fucking finishing that. something at the at the end of a chapter. 
you know, and you go, oh, okay, let's start this new chapter now. Really, really difficult. It's hard mm. enough to begin a task in any case. It's just a case of making it as easy as possible for you to get going, I think. I think we discussed the idea of of dentists when you come in the room and they go, oh, hello, sir, sit down. And then you open your mouth and they go, ah, oh, Lewis, how are the kids? Like, because they recognize the particular configuration of fillings and teeth that you've got. And that's that's what jogs their memory, because that's the way that they see the world. That's not one that I remember happening, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to see David Breton actually in a couple of weeks time before I go back to uh, Texas. So if he starts remembering things about me as soon as I open my mouth, we'll know that that's true. Johan. Context specific learning. Um, Andrew Huberman, who is a alumnus of the Modern Wisdom podcast, has a sleep cocktail. Have either of you tried it? Magnesium L3 and 8. Chris has tried it. L-theanine. Yep. A pigeon then. Yep. And sometimes, sometimes not, uh, GABA. And glycine. Oh, the ga- so the, ga- the glycine thing I haven't, I haven't tried yet. So I haven't tried the GABA because you have scared me about GABA. We, we used to GABA a lot. In, in Z12. Yeah, back in the day. How often then have you I'm... GABA'd? Oh, so I, I mean, I got through a bottle of GABA. I, I, got my, have... I, I gave it to my brother and he ended up getting withdrawal. I, like, I gave it to him, and I was like, listen, Habibi, don't take this every day, every couple of days. And then, of course, he didn't. He ignored me, took two every day, and then at the end of the month, he's like, he's like, I need some more of that stuff, and I can't sleep before I'm really anxious. And I'm like, I, to- I, I told you, man. <laughs> I'm fucking telling you, bro. Stop taking that shit. So it's I, my I crew. Remember, I remember Yusuf realizing there was Gabba in this supplement we used to take from T Nation. And being like, whoa, that's a hell of a, that's a sledgehammer. So I didn't, add, I haven't even added that in, but the rest of it I have. And my goodness me, do you get a good night's sleep with that, with that cocktail of things? Have you split tested it on Whoop? I haven't. I haven't. But I mean, are you still using Whoop? No. Well, that's why yeah. you haven't done it. Well, you'll I, be back. Uh, you'll be back. You'll be back partway maybe. through 2023. I'm sure. The thing that's good about Whoop. I mean, not to sidetrack this, is like, is exactly for stuff like this. So it's it's activating it. for. I, I don't think I get that much out of it when I do the same things day in, day out, because it's just, there's a, there's a flux in your scores and you're like, well, I'm not going to change my training. But if you want to add something new in, like red light therapy, for example, um, or new sleep supplements, doing it for like two months and testing it just to see, like, is there any move in the numbers is very useful. But with the sleep cocktail thing, it's almost at the point where it's like, it's as clear as day to me that it makes a difference <laughs> like i i don't know what your experience with it was chris but um i've had a lot of sleep supplements i've had a zma obviously the z12 stuff um 5 htp my protein sleep cocktails never re- they, they kind of help but they don't really um I, I think this i immediately fall asleep and then i just feel like i'm asleep the entire night no it's, issues uh, my, my sleep's been the best that it's been uh, throughout this year and it's fluctuated due to all of the travel but i'm a big fan mm. i haven't used the glycine so for brands i'll let you put yours forward but certainly in america and maybe in the uk as well a company called DoubleTree. they are massive on amazon um everything seems to be uh double third party tested comes with a right. bunch of credentials and stuff um that's where i get my magnesium l3 and 8 from my apigenin and my is that how i say it I feel like apigenin, I think. Apigenin, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely sure. saying it like a a, a pigeon, and <laughs> which uh, is 
I'm pretty sure, Yusuf, you mentioned that's an opiate. Possibly. I'd, it's a thing I'd, in chamomile tea. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, no, I, I don't know if apigenin is, but chamomile tea is a mild opiate. <laughs> well, L-theanine is present in green tea. Right? Green tea, yeah. Yeah. Gives you some funky dreams. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, L-theanine's yeah. a really great neuroprotective, seems to be good for dealing with stress and anxiety. Some people take it during the morning as well, which it's mm. also useful to take with caffeine, to take the jitters off the edge of caffeine. Um, what's the brands that you've gone for? What's the dosage you go for? And where did you get your glycine from? I just got it all on Amazon. Um, I can get the the links of, of stuff. Yeah. Um, I got it. To be honest, I, I went on Amazon and I went for brands that I either recognized or had like really good reviews and like a high number of reviews on. Um, it was a lot cheaper than I was expecting it to be getting all the individual ingredients and a lot of like the theanine is like 180 days in a bottle or something like that. It's yeah, crazy. I've still got that uh, apigenin from the first time I started using it because they're tiny, tiny, teeny little mm. capsules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the magnesium L3 and 8 is what you go through at a ridiculous rate. Yeah. yeah. So you need to get three. I've found that you need to get about three bottles of the magnesium for every one of the other two. Mm. Uh, glycine. Is it just, is it any type of glycine? I, I haven't used it's, that. It's, it's very generic and cheap. So it, it's just amino acid. Yeah. The, the reason that they say to cycle it is that the data shows like an, an increase in sleep quality on the first night that you use it and then not so much afterwards. So the the rationale Huberman's rationale will be to cycle it so that you kind of resensitize to it. Are you cycling? Because I don't. But should you be cycling magnesium L three and eight, uh, apigenin and the healthy? Personally, with with anything like that that's going to enhance something, I just think a, a broad principle should be to cycle stuff. The only time, the only only thing that I maybe wouldn't is anything that's vitamin or pseudovitamin. So creatine, no need to cycle. But things that are like anti-stress, sleep, adaptogens, anything like that, I would cycle. So, so magnesium, you wouldn't cycle then if it's a... Magnesium, I wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't, but a bit, and glycine, you wouldn't? Although I was slightly hypermagnesemic uh, from my last blood test, which shows I was like scooping it in. So what, that, do you, that... what do you use on an evening time, Yusuf? Because I imagine you don't subscribe to this kind of cocktail. Quackery. I've been rotating magnesium sources just because I know some people are proper magnesium perverts, but um, I've just mm. got some currently magnesium chloride powder that I or crystal that I just unflavored, unflavored, yeah, dry scoop. Hang on, on that you, you what? What do you do with it? I just dry. I, I put it into water or something. But not your mouth. That, to be honest, very irresponsible of me. Please don't take this as medical advice because I like I just <laughs> haven't been weighing it out. I just sort of eyeball it, which is a. <gasps> A terrible thing to do with a mineral, and it's why I ended up hypermagnesemic. <laughs> you eyeball. That's like you know, the, the studies where people have like accidentally had thirty grams of caffeine and ended up in that was A&E. that, that was that That's, person in Northumbria University, wasn't it? Yeah, for yeah. The, for the people around the world who don't know the the university we're talking about, there's two unis in the city that we all live in, and they did a study on caffeine, and somebody accidentally was it a hundred times the dose? Yeah, it's meant to be three hundred milligrams, I believe. And they, and gave, they gave them thirty them, grams of caffeine. Which, like, there's so many steps that you would realise that that's wrong, mm. that they just managed to somehow miss. Well, not, I think, not only the fact that it's so bitter. Even if you have three hundred milligrams of caffeine powder in yeah. a pint of water, you can taste it. Like, it's really nasty. You taste it in three liters of water. <laughs> it's such a strong. But then the three of us would have seen the pile on the the heaped 
protein scoop of caffeine and gone, I think that's a bit much caffeine. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, Andrew Human sleep cocktail, I'm completely in. I've used it throughout this year. Uh, if you just Google that, by the way, if you just Google Andrew Huberman sleep cocktail, you'll find like all the recommendations, what to cycle and what not to cycle, all the dosages and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Very, was very good. Something else that... Something sleepy. Uh, oh, that was it. So Derek from More Plates, More Dates, his Gorilla Mind, Gorilla Mode um, <clears throat> company has done a version of Huberman's sleep cocktail. Okay. But the one thing they did was put melatonin in it. I'm like, mate, come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, come on, son. So I think he's going to redo another version where melatonin isn't in it. The problem is the Americans are so fucking pro-melatonin. It is mm. insane. Because you can buy it over the counter, you can get it on Amazon, you can get it wherever. You can't get it on prescription in the UK. It's basically yeah, impossible it's to get on prescription, and yet it's sold over the counter in America because, like, whoa, drugs. And... That just means that people throw, they'll lump it in with every like cake mix. Was it, I think it was last life hacks where you were talking about like getting something like five hundred ibuprofens in a tub. Maybe I mean they they do those they they don't do the blister pack thing very much. If you want to kill yourself by taking drugs in America, it's pretty easy because you just go into CVS and they've just got just these, a big vat. Yeah, exactly. These protein powder sized boxes, and you just chinkle in all of these. All the adverts. Hey, do you do you wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night? Then maybe you need melatonin. You, maybe maybe you need twenty milligrams of melatonin every day. Uh, anyway, I, I got some in Hawaii and used to, like there were like two milligram gummies. Yep. And when I asked Yusuf's recommendation for dose, he was like, Half. cut it into quarters. <laughs> have one, maybe one quarter, and then slow. Maybe have a second if you need to. What's the what's the thirty second red pill on melatonin? dosage Seth? so melatonin the, the, the best effect from it is from it basically starting the lead domino of your natural endogenous melatonin production so you shouldn't be trying to like substitute it's not like testosterone replacement where you're you're just like taking the full lot it's just to get it going um and that's why it's got this inverted u curve dose response so there's like a midpoint where about one milligram seems to be optimal and then more than that or less than that is less effective and they sell 10 milligram, 20 milligram tablets of melatonin. Just for, for lols. In CVS. You're fucking Just, idiot. yeah. Right, Yusef, what have you got? When you are giving a speech or dealing with a client or dealing with a patient or anything and you get lost in the middle of something, a great hack is just to put yourself in context. So if I was drawing a blank now, so we're currently talking about Life hacks in general, we've gone through some physical ones, some digital ones. Chris and Johnny have given their suggestions, and now we're on to mine. And often that <laughs> alone just jogs your memory and gets you going again. So if you're in the middle of a, a speech and you're like, oh, and the audience appreciate it as well. It's not as if um, it looks bad because the audience is like, oh, great, like we're back in context again. Just Let's just show everyone where we are in the map, and then here's where we are going next. I really like that. It's really, brilliant. That's, that's saved my ass a lot of times. <laughs> Alex O'Connor does something kind of similar. It's not. I, I don't. It may be to cover up when he loses his place, but he does. Uh, he asks a rhetorical question that makes it obvious about where he's going to go next. So let's say that he was doing some video about Jordan Peterson's views on veganism or something, and he would say something along the lines of, "So you might ask yourself, 
why would it be the case, given everything that we know about Jordan's beliefs around humanity needing to be as generous and kind as possible, that he would not have decided to adopt a plant-based diet? Well, the reason for that is da 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 And like mm. all of that, what he's done is he's created a question that he can answer himself. He's opened a loop. You want him to answer it. Like it's a, he's like interviewing himself. Um, I very much, and he does that when he's doing his YouTube videos, he'll go off script to do that, to then go back on script. And it's, you can do it with all of the naturalistic language that you need. You can do all the rest of it. It's a really, really, and Zach started putting that same tactic into his videos on YouTube too. It's like, so you might think like, why would someone do this? Well, the reason that you could say perhaps they might do this is da 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 da, and then you're back on script. So you've just veered off and come back on. But it's so it's just easy to inject. You do that one or two times per um, talk. No one's going to notice, but it's a really good tactic. Nice. I love that. Good one. Okay. Um, I guess given the fact that Johnny's just spoken about the uh, sleep stuff, I might as well throw this in. So I did 500 days without caffeine. Um, I then reintroduced caffeine back into my use but wanted to maintain the current level of sensitivity that I have to caffeine and most importantly, not reintroduce the dependence that I had to caffeine. Alex Homozi has this fucking amazing quote when it comes to reliance on substances, caffeine in particular, that says, if you can't perform without it, it stopped conferring a benefit. And you're like, Mm -hmm. look, that is the way that most people view caffeine. They don't use it to improve performance. They use it to get themselves back to zero. And it's no longer assisting you. It's no longer a performance enhancer. It's just buttressing what you do with your life. So for me, the best way to do it is just every other day caffeine use. And the, the reason that it works as a rule is I can always remember if I had caffeine yesterday. And if I did, I can't have it today. That's it. It also means if I'm thinking about having caffeine today, I actually have to make a scarcity calculation about how much do I need it today and how much might I need it tomorrow. If I need it in two days' time, it doesn't really matter. But if I'm going to need it tomorrow more than I'll need it today, I won't take it now. I do exactly that. <laughs> I'm like planning two, three days ahead of like, oh, no, if I have one today, then that's two days in a row, so I can't do it. No, 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 no. Odd so number. Every other day you caffeine. Can, you can borrow from tomorrow then. So if, if I'm not just supposed to have any today, and I'm supposed to have some tomorrow, but I need it tomorrow today more than tomorrow, can I borrow from tomorrow? Not if to you've tomorrow? had it yesterday. Can't ever have but, it two days in a row. But you could go more than two days without caffeine, for example. So yes, like you I, can go more than two days without, but you can't go more than two days in a row with. I see. Unless so I you can, create like a really complicated credit system with a spreadsheet of like, okay, I'm this many in reserve. and Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. Banked, I've banked this many days. No, but this is the reason that it's super easy because you can't do two in a row, but you can do two without in a row. And that's it. You just hold on to that. And it's meant that I'm still taking, so Killcliff. Uh, it looks like we might be doing some work with them next year. Massive fan of what they do. Um, natural, preser- no preservatives, no additives, no nothing else. Flash pasteurized, blah, blah, blah. Loads of L-theanine. Uh, they do a 25 milligram uh, drink, which is basically just, I mean, it's half a, half a cup of coffee. And it's just about enough to give you a little push, especially if you're sensitive with it, like I am at the moment, uh, for non-physical activities. 25 migs is about right for me uh, to go down and do some mental work. And then if I want to train, they do a, a 90 and a 125. And Jocko uh, Go also is a 90 migs. Perfect. 
Like, and that, I feel the hell out of that. Like, seeing people walk around with a bang energy that's 350 milligrams of caffeine just blows my mind. Zach will go and get a rain energy, 300 milligrams of caffeine before we go and train. And I can, like, I, I get caffeinated by watching him drink it. So, yeah, every other day caffeine use, really, really good. So you, you must be pretty damn sensitive to it then. Yeah, if crazy, it's, yeah. crazy sensitive. I mean, so if you, if you had, like, three or four coffees in a day, does that, how do you feel the sensitivity? Is it in just, like, jitters, never, anxiety? I've never had it. I've, since I've come back on, I've never had, I think the most I've ever had in a day has been two 25 milligram drinks. But if you scoot back to like pre 500 day with episode. I can't remember because my sensitivity was just so high, right? So low, should I say? I was so desensitized to the effect of caffeine. I can't remember what it was like, but it would make me, if I overshoot it, it makes me jittery. It makes me anxious. Mm. I can't focus. Um, and I don't need it. Like uh, my energy levels are not determined by the caffeine concentration in my blood anymore. And this is mm. the, this is the big thing about caffeine that it's papering over the cracks in the issues that your daily routine has created. Like people are using caffeine to get themselves past the 11 a.m. slump, but never having to ask themselves, why the fuck am I tired at 11 a.m.? Uh, dude, you're mm. not supposed to be tired and fatigued and needing your adenosine system to be completely hijacked by a massive energy drink at 11.30 a.m. Maybe it's because you're not sleeping enough. Maybe it's because you're not getting enough daylight. Maybe it's because you're not spending enough time outside. Whatever. It's, it's pathological. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bank a couple of caffeine-related hacks for after Johnny's. All right. Okay. Johan. Okay, cool. Um Mine's more just like a behavioral thing. So um, I have found, uh, I'm, I'm, well, I think probably everybody struggles with this. Like you have a long list of boring things to do. You've got like something in the, like to tidy the house or something like that, or do some admin. Um, even just if, you, if you're putting off a training session, um, it's something that, that I've always kind of done it in some way, but the first time I really experienced the effect of just having a, like a, a totally arbitrary deadline was actually when I was trying to do the CrossFit Open when you were there, Chris, and you were just like five, four, three, and I just found myself, even though I was shattered, like you're just like, oh well, there's the countdown. I suppose I better get back to doing what I was doing. So you having just this arbitrary thing that just encourages you to just get going again. So being like playing around with that to encourage me to do things that I'm putting off. So um, you've got like a, a list of boring tasks that you've got to do and you've got a phone call that's happening at one o'clock challenge yourself to do as many many of them as you can before one o'clock or even sometimes waiting until you've only got an hour to train like you know your training session is going to take you an hour i know that at 11 30 i'm going to have one hour exactly to train otherwise i'll miss my training session suddenly you find yourself like in the gym powering through it getting it done in 45 minutes so kind of creating these like almost turning things into a bit of a game it's a bit childish but makes such a difference to things that are otherwise very boring and could easily have taken all day. Um, and I know it's it's Parkinson's laws and, and lots of other ways of kind of viewing these things, but when you've got stuff you don't want to do, turn it into a bit of a game, set a random and arbitrary deadline, and suddenly becomes like even fun. That's sometimes. so the, the something I really admire about you, Johnny, and you this is parallel to Parkinson's law, is you know the effect of when like you're at home and you've got a train to catch at quarter past four. So, but it's it's quarter past three, and so you're thinking, well, I've got an hour, but I can't really do anything proper. And then it's like half an hour before you have to leave, and you're like, well, like I'm in this limbo. Johnny will always just be like, oh, I'll just do 
a thing like so something you know even if you have to record a module or something that i would consider quite heavy project work and you'll be like oh, it's fine like i just need to leave out that time and i'll just do it anyway whereas i get very much caught in limbo mode and end up doing like emails or shallow work well that was counselor. that was something that you that i still use from you which is having a holding pattern activity so in between i've had a lot of calls over the last few months and sitting down and waiting and call finishes 10 minutes before your next call really what are you going to do yeah. not even long enough for me to do a loop of the park next to where i live that's 13 minutes and 30 seconds door to door so i'm like right well ipad or a kindle next to my desk means that instead of picking up my phone i might pick up a book maybe i'll read for a little bit or emails i think is actually the best use of your time for this mm. because you can chip away at your emails in such an easy bite-sized form i'm going to try Email's been a real issue for me. So if anyone has some great life hacks around emails, please send them over um, to try and make email less of a an entire day thing. Currently 120 unread emails, all of which need in-depth replies that need me to get a calendar out or link other stuff or submit a form or do some shit. Uh, how are you gamifying common boring tasks like just saying, I've got half an hour to do these, I need to get these done. Is there anything else? So I'll, it depends what it is, but I'll, I'll always try and pair it with something that's um, fun or enjoyable. So like it, it, emails that require a long, complex reply, it's a little bit different, but I'll have a 30-minute batch. I'm like, right, I've got 30 minutes, I'm going to call it X. I've got like a predefined list of all these things, and I know that like really bitty, like, renew my car tax, pay this thing, reset this insurance, whatever it is, I'll stick a, whatever I'm listening to, podcast course, whatever on in the background, set a timer for 30 minutes and just try and get all of them done in the time. And it, it turns it into this, like, you, you've got to do it anyway. Like, you've got to do those things at some point anyway. You either do them or you don't do them. So if you're going to do them, you might as well try and compress it and make it take the least of your day possible, turn it into a bit of a challenge and pair it with something that like takes the edge off. So like a listen to a podcast or even just your favorite album or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think forcing yourself to, it's something I actually, I think it was like a Tim Ferriss tip from years ago, which was like create positive constraints in your day. So like make plans at 4 PM that force you to finish work by 4 PM or yeah. set like set things that happen throughout your day that are fixed that mean that suddenly you've not got all morning to do something. You've got 90 minutes to do something and you'll still do it. And it turns it into a bit of a challenge. Or you still you still always fit your training in multiple times a week, even if you're really busy. You just kind of find the time and make it make it take a little bit less time in the gym. Having so this just using big amorphous fucking work blob just allows yeah. everything to bleed into everything else. Yeah, you need structure. Yeah. You re you really do. I like I like that a lot. That's good. I think um, uh, calling people while you're doing like house tasks is another really good one. Or listening, mm. obviously, listening to a podcast if you don't have anybody to call or if you can't mm -hmm. be bothered. If you've got to fold clothes or sort shit out or you know, whatever, you're off to print some stuff and return some parcels. Like just ring someone, and it's going to make it a little bit less shit. And you've got to do it in any case. Mm. Definitely, Yusuf. So we're winding back to caffeine. If you've been convinced by Chris's argument there to to just stop relying on caffeine, if you're one of these people who you like, oh, actually, my energy levels are dictated by my serum caffeine levels, or um, I, I can't function without it. The first thing you can try from probably about six life hacks ago is Johnny's decaffeination protocol. So that's, let's say you have three, three coffees a day, 
9 a.m., 12 p.m. and 3 p.m., you do three weeks where you substitute the last coffee, so the 3 p.m. one for decaf, and then the next week you go the midday and the 3 p.m. one at decaf, and then you go the, the 9 a.m., the 12 a.m., and the, the, the 9, 12, and 3 are all decaf, and then you reintroduce them slowly over time. So then you've you've managed to wean yourself off without having to go through all the caffeine headaches and withdrawals, and you, then you, you're getting the most out of the least when you reintroduce it. So that's a good way to do it. If you need something with a little bit more fine tuning, then I've got two options for you. One of them is called Norlo Lightly Caffeinated Coffee. So this is some kind of Scandinavian coffee brand that is like a third of the caffeine of normal coffee. So it doesn't have that decaf taste and it's it it's pretty good. It's very it's all like minimal design and really kind of cool looking uh, lightly caffeinated coffee. So you could go for that and then you can play around with your protocol and maybe have that at midday as your final one or something. The other option that I've been having recently, if you're a tea fan, is hojicha. So you might have heard of matcha, which is the the powdered green tea that's kind of an acquired taste. Hojicha, hojicha is his Arabic cousin. It's his, yeah, exactly. It's his Arab uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Lightly roasted. <laughs> it is actually roasted, so it's brown. <laughs> And it's got more of a um, caramelly, malty kind of taste to it. And it's beautiful. I think it's really, really nice. And you can make cakes with it. There's there's a there's place there's a place all over the UK called Sujiri, which does hojicha and matcha, like soft serve ice cream or cheesecakes and all that kind of stuff. Getting increasingly Lebanese here, aren't we? Yeah. So you can get the hojicha powder. It's like £10 for a, a big bag. How do you spell that? H-O-U-J-I-C-H-A. And you can make frozen yogurt with it. It's genuinely lovely. So you would and have frozen yogurt that's lightly caffeinated. Yeah, but the hojicha is actually, because it's roasted, it's got lower caffeine than matcha. But it still has the theanine and all that stuff too. So it's a really nice kind of almost green tea light, but it's got a kind of multi wholesome flavor to it. Very nice. I like it. Okay, let's get ourselves out of health and fitness and get into why you should install a USB charger in your bathroom. So it's the first bathroom. What that... a sentence. <laughs> Look, we need to divert. Um, the first bathroom that I've ever had a USB charger in is the place that I'm at in Texas at the moment. And it's fantastic. It means that my Whoop external battery is always in the same place for if I'm taking it off, I'm getting in the shower. That's the time when I'm taking my wearables off in any case. For uh, razors, electric shavers, if they've got USB compatibility, for um, electric toothbrushes, all of which pretty much use USB to power them if you've got a Sonicare or something similar. Um, what are you doing, Yusuf? I'm just <laughs> prepping for the next. Dean, can you, can you <laughs> cut? Back. Yeah, can you cut back early enough so that we can see what he's doing, please? Looks like we have a Mr. Bean episode. It was, yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, it's just you need a USB charger in your bathroom. So if you're doing a, a bathroom uh, revamp, I'm also going to guess that the same way that the double-prong shaver thing 30 years ago was sufficiently safe in terms of wattage or ampage or voltage to be able to be in a room that might have some mist, I'm going to guess 100% that a USB port is going to be sufficiently safe. Uh, check with your appropriate electrical, <laughs> lo- local local council electrical company before doing this. However, I've got it in Texas, haven't killed myself, and all of my devices are very well charged. 
it is the it's the frustration isn't it with having so many little devices that require like a micro or a mini or just a normal usb that you have to charge them at kind of different intervals throughout the week so having like a slot where you regularly so is that why you're showering or something like that that you yeah so especially stuff? with uh especially with the whoop i'll just take it off before i get in the shower because i don't want the strap to get wet and i'm like well i might as well plug it in to the external charger which lives right next to the little port so it's always in mm. the same place it's just an extra hub because there isn't for me the kitchen is where my phone stays and all of the phone charging stuff tends to live around there the office would be where all of my tech for work would be i don't actually have a very good location for the wearables in my life i don't want them next to my bed i think that that's just too messy um so where is it that you would go and it seems to make I don't know, pretty good sense to me to have it in the bathroom. And the wearables, you're going to take them off. Same stuff for shaving, same stuff for cleaning your mouth, etc. Yeah, I think having like a, it's having the, the the time to charge them when you don't need them that happens regularly. And I think showering is the, as long as something can charge in a, a, a sufficient amount while you're showering, it's Well, the think about it this time. way. The, way. the way that I do it, or you could do it with um, your Whoop, for instance, or an Apple Watch or something similar could be, Take it off to shower first thing in the morning. Go downstairs, do whatever you need to do. Go back up to clean your teeth, presumably, which you're going to do before you leave. Grab it off the shelf. That's half an hour charge mm. during a period. You're not going to get much low-intensity, steady-state cardio in during that one half hour. But it's, yeah, I, I think it's a definitely a good consideration. Cool. Johan, give me something. I want to send us back into health and fitness. Can I do that? Sure. Loud? Sure. Uh, one of them's a exercise technique hack and the other one is an equipment hack. You might not have the bit of equipment in your gym, but if you do and you've always looked at it and thought, I wonder what that does. A safety squat bar. You ever tried one? Chris, you ever tried one? So that's where you've got handles on the front and yep. usually a padded sort of H shape up and above you and then it yes. goes out to the side and then it kind of yokes down as well, right, on the outside of that. Yeah, so the the, the plates are at like a on a, a portion of the bar that's at an angle, typically the same angle as the handles. So they're kind of tilted forwards a little bit. It's a similar stimulus to a front squat without the kind of positional issues or having to get into a front rack or pinching an archery or, or something nasty. Um, so it allows you to kind of push the, the lift more without the technical demands if you're not looking to be an Olympic weightlifter or whatever. Um, the reason I've done it is it's allowed me to basically like reset a, a lift. So the problem I was having with squatting was doing anything that wasn't like powerlifting training. It's kind of, I'm kind of too technically too advanced in the lift for it to kind of be a something I can train regularly. And I just feel it in like hips and hamstrings and lower back and kept getting injured with it. Safety squat bar, the, the loads are way lower. Um, the training effects really high. Like my quads are in pieces for days. So if you've never tried one, you don't particularly like back squatting. You don't particularly like front squatting. There's one in your gym, or you've got a home gym and you want to buy one. Buy one. They're fairly inexpensive. Would highly, highly recommend that. Um, the second thing is if you do lateral raises, and you find yourself like sometimes you use like a, you swing your swing your body around. Sometimes they kind of go halfway. Sometimes they go to I don't know random stages. Allow as much body swing as much body English as you want but the, the range of motion has to finish completely over your head with the dumbbells touching. Has to so finish over your head? 
until yeah. you're doing stuff like star jumps but, <laughs> just so to I, get it going i think if you try like try experimenting with an amount of body english and you'll find it kind of polices itself because doing star jumps actually makes it harder because it we i feel like we've all converged at trying to get the most out of the least weight recently with with training so i've I, i've gone the opposite way with lateral raises where i do like chest supported ones so you set the okay. bench up almost vertical lean mm. forward onto it and honestly doing like five kilo dumbbells it's embarrassing but it's a lot harder i really want to be a part of the movement but i can't pretend like i haven't just been throwing stupid heavy weight around for the last <laughs> few months I, I just it's been idiocy 2008 lifting with z I feel like if you're living with zach yeah it's... i mean he's 260 pounds and six foot four so he, I, i've got to try and catch up with him and his weight and his strength but yeah uh i definitely see the advantage of um increasing the like mechanical difficulty of a movement in order to stop yourself from being too stupid with it that makes a ton of sense well it's just like the so mike as talks about it, the stimulus fatigue ratio so like it depends why you're training but if you're training to for health as you mentioned or like for muscle gain it does kind of make sense to get the stimulus you need while accumulating the least fatigue possible like without over accumulating yeah danger is a big one so like if to train your legs you have to load up a leg press or you're, you're deciding to load up a leg press with as many plates are available in the gym and doing quarter range motion versus like a fifth of that or a tenth of that and doing full range motion you're probably less likely to get injured but you might will you get the same training stimulus, stimulus though because presumably you could overshoot it on lightness you could you definitely could but as long as you're like progressing your training you'll eventually find the point where you're no longer doing that. But if you maintain the range of motion, you should, in theory, get a better, better good training effect. Is um, this your going to be one of your guiding principles as we all transition into sort of older man fitness? You know, within the next 10 years, we're all going mm -hmm. to have to genuinely consider what am I getting out of this session? What are the risks associated with this session? I think I've, I've just come from my training historically has been like, it just carried a, a, a consistent risk of I'm likely to injure myself in this training cycle, like over the next six to eight weeks. And also I would train and then feel like I've been hit by a bus for one to two days afterwards. So I, I don't think it's even I'm likely to. I think just every training cycle is like a quad tear or a something back happens. twinge or something. Yeah, yeah, it's always something each cycle. So the fatigue, either from a, a injury perspective or just the way that training makes you feel has always been very high for me. So I am now looking to just training just taking a different role in my life. So it's like, I want to train a couple of days a week, but I don't really want to feel like I've been run over for a day after my session. And I, but I still want it to kind of work. So where does, you know, where do you arrive at when you combine all those things? <laughs> so um, unreasonable, Johnny. I know, I don't, I know. You don't want to feel like you've been run over I know, I'm being, yeah. twice a week. I know, I'm being selfish on it, but, but <laughs> yeah, those are my goals with it. So but I think it's a, there's always a time to sling heavy tin, isn't there? Yes. Sounds yeah, that's like that's been, been last, your the last few months. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then it's going to be more high-intensity stuff. I'm going to be interested to <clears throat> start doing classes and stuff again throughout 2023 because that was the best gains and progress that I ever saw in terms of physique was actually doing something that wasn't focused on physique. But that was, was one of your hacks, wasn't it? Like to do a class because you just absolutely you, you you the rising tide makes you do the cardio that you wouldn't otherwise have done. As far as I can see, the 
mediator for most people's outcomes in training is the level of intensity that they train with. Most people aren't, they've got weights which are not being moved appropriately, which are too light, being done in reps that aren't sufficiently uh, big enough and with rest periods that are too long. Just all of that getting compressed down. Now, that's not to say that you're supposed to lift too heavy for too long with too many sets and no rest, but having that externalized to a class and having that motivation put out there makes, it just made such a huge difference. And my, my physiology really responded to that intensity well. So this is going to sound really judgmental, though, but it, I think it goes even beyond the technical definition of intensity. And just you go into any gym and people just usually aren't trying very hard. Like, and it usually correlates very tightly with their physique, like the results that they're d displaying. Do you mean the CrossFit class when you say class? No, so it'll be similar. It'll be uh, non-technical strength-based class right. programming. Like CrossFit without the ollie, the ollie lifting and some of the technical gymnastics. I think the all that would be needed the only tweak that would be needed for CrossFit classes to just, I would just be there the whole time is some kind of like, even if it was like a fortnight of programming that then repeated a few times, so you could just see that you were improving in something. That would be it. That's all it's, I ask for. The constantly varied is the issue, which sadly is the first part of the definition first of CrossFit. But um, it can still be constantly varied, just slightly less often. <laughs> <laughs> Intermittently like, varied. Yeah, varied. Sometimes. Sometimes. Varied when, when appropriate. Regularly periodized functional <laughs> movements performed at <laughs> high intensity. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, I, I've been saying for ages, I can't believe Barry's Boot Camp, and there's this thing called Orange Theory in America, which you might not be familiar yeah. with. Um, spin classes, Soul Cycle, all this shit. No one has done, here is a bro split, three days a week training plan, done at what you would do on your own, plus 30% intensity, Mm -hmm. programmed out and then finished up with like a nice easy little metcon of push-ups and pull-ups or air squats and running or some shit like i would be i would fist fuck that it would be so perfect and yet every you're trying to kind of even with on it on its programming is good but i'm still trying to like reverse engineer what it is that i want i don't want to do fucking four rounds of wall balls i don't care <laughs> about the training stimulus of four rounds of wall balls um but mm. you know we're getting there slowly over time i know what you mean I'd, I'd be on it with you if that existed especially if it was like how crossfit is where you, you log on to like get the workout of the day or whatever mm. um should be done anyway yusuf what you got my girlfriend really upsets me when i see her trying to open an app because she'll scroll to like the fourth page and look for it and i'm like just use spotlights just use the like scroll down and type the name of the thing but one step even further is that you can access Spotlight from the home screen, from the lock oh. screen. So do you have you to enable that? Goodness. I think so. So you can just. I've just done it now. Oh, there we go. Just scroll down. But what happens if you try and open an app without? I'm going to guess it's going to say, in order to open this, you then need <clears> to put your face ID in. Yeah, but if you have Face ID enabled, by the time it's opened, it's probably recognized your face. and So you've saved so a couple just, of seconds. I've just done it, Chris, and it does just open. So I suppose it's it's Face IDing you while you're... Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Access Spotlight from the home screen by swiping down. That's lovely. 
Very nice. Sure, okay. Sweet. That, is lo- that is lovely. Um, what have I got here? So I've got two hacks. I've got a lot of travel hacks that I'm going to save for another one a little bit later in the year when people are probably going to be traveling more. However, I'm going to do two for London Heathrow because I've used these a lot throughout this year. The first one is that there is a second Pret-a-Manger at gate A3 in Heathrow Terminal 5. And the main <laughs> Pret-a-Manger, which is right in the, the larger atrium, is way too busy. It is nice. They do have a good selection of, of uh, foods and coffees, but no more than a smaller Pret would have. However, the second Pret-a-Manger is at gate A3, so you go past, underneath the, the walkway, you go past the, the WH Smiths, you take a left, and it's there on your left. That's very, very good. The other thing that you can do, that's a photo, Johnny, of you at the Pret-a-Manger sending it to me after I featured it in a newsletter. Yes, and indeed. What, something that might be quite noticeable about that is there is no queue outside. Zero. Zero queue. It's a secret mm. Pret-a-Manger. If you want access to a secret Pret-a-Manger, you're in the right place. Uh Second one, sneak into the business lounge at uh, business lounge south at Heathrow Terminal Five. So, in many business lounges, you need to scan your boarding pass in order to be able to get in. The business lounge south at Heathrow Terminal Five is you just show your boarding pass and they then scan it in. They're always all of the girls behind the desk who are perfectly lovely are always talking, they're chit chatting between themselves. Easy to sneak in. I went back and forth from it without having been checked once. Now, I had access to the business lounge, but they didn't check. And if you're in there, the world is your oyster. Quicker Wi-Fi, great smoothies, uh, free bar, free food, lovely seating. It's a very selfless hack because you pay for that. So you're creating a free rider problem, even though... That I have to eat, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris will be in the other lounge where they scan the passes properly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, peasants! <laughs> Is it not that they just can't believe it's Chris from Modern Wisdom and they just let you in even though... Look at how you've changed from Chris from Love Island or Chris from Voodoo Events. You just need to continue to update the, the bio. Chris Carnage. Chris fucking hell. Chris Carnage Williamson. Digging into the archive there. Uh, oh, yeah, so second Pratamange, gate A3 and sneak into the business lounge in Heathrow Terminal 5. Business lounge is very, very nice, by the way. Should we do one more round? Let's get one more round in. Come on, Johnny. Let's do it. Uh, this is a music recommendation. So if anybody is or used to be a fan of like Rage Against the Machine or Audio Slave, uh, Chris Cornell, any of that sort of stuff. Um, and to be honest, any any rock from that genre of music, there's a group called Brass Against on YouTube, which is like a brass band with a uh, rotation of singers. And they cover quite a lot of Rage Against the Machine music. And it is honestly phenomenal. I showed it to a few people and they've messaged me back saying like, I've just been down a brass against rabbit hole. They have this, this, the singer, she is, I mean, it sounds like Zach Della Rocha, the original singer from Rage Against Machine, but like good gym music, just good, good general music. Really, really good. Brass against. Are they, I'm going to guess they'll be on Spotify as well. I'm not sure whether they are. I've not actually checked. Um, but all the stuff that I've I've listened to has been on on YouTube. So you must be YouTube premiuming this. I, I am YouTube premiuming this. Yes. Opening it, closing it. Right. I see. Yeah. The Brass full, against. The I, I, I mean, they're on. They are on Spotify. 
Yeah. Of all of the life hacks that we're going to talk about today, there being a brass band equivalent of Rise Against, I did not have on my bingo Rise Against Machine. Whatever. So yeah. the, there's also Richard Cheese, who does lounge versions of like System of a Down and Nirvana. Like Wake lounge. up, grab yourself a little makeup. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's very, it seems to be a, a w- winning formula. All right. Yusuf, what you got? So I feel I'm cringing a little bit about this one. Uh oh. But I really like these. So these are Alex the, Hormozy branded nasal strips. The nasal strips, yeah. The reason I'm cringing is because since Alex Hormozy has popularized them, everyone and their uncle has started doing videos on Instagram while wearing them as some kind of like status symbol. I, I don't know. Like it's because come on, like you're recording a video with good lighting and good camera and stuff, and you didn't, you neglected to take off your stupid nose strips. You're clearly doing it to try and signal something. That, that stuff aside there, Yusuf, I, I want you to sell me on wearing a nose strip. Why yeah, sorry. We, why I should I wear a nose strip? About, the, about your the own nose. hack. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a nose like me, you might think, surely the, the, the size of those colossal nostrils doesn't need more assistance. Fucking cavernous. <laughs> For ventilation. Opening, opening them up requires you to put a land registry down so that you can walk through. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get planning permission. <laughs> planning permission. <laughs> <laughs> but what they do before bed is, and I've got to avoid my piercing here, otherwise I end up. So you put it just over the kind of nasal bridge, and it does just enhance your. Mm, listen to that clear passage. Does it? Does it do that because it's it's got something on it or in it? Like yeah, what's the so process? The it's obviously sort of plaster material, but inside it has a backbone, a flexible spine that pulls your nostrils apart. So if you're a bit of a snorer, if you're finding that you just want to improve your nasal breathing or encourage it, this is a better alternative than, for example, people doing mouth tape, which, you know, if you do get blocked nose, that could be a bit unsafe. So instead, rather than blocking off the opposite, it's encouraging the thing you're trying to do. Now, did you go nice. for breathe right medium? Oh my God. Or did you go uh, for breathe right large? I've gone for Harmony Life. Oh, okay. Is that from, presumably from Alibaba? It sounds like a life insurance Amazon. company. Did you have to get one for Arab sized noses? Yeah, you've got to go, like, you, you have to tick, tick your ethnicity as you, uh, as you select the order. I like, can't tell if you're joking. Are you joking? I mean, how racist would that be? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's 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 sometimes the sort of thing you have to fill in, though, isn't it? Granted, yeah. rarely when you're just ordering something online, you kind of caught off like, guard. Why but... do you need that information? So, I back to your comment, Chris. I didn't think on this episode of Life Hacks I would be the only one here without a pack of nasal strips to hand. Well, I've got two here actually. Uh, I feel like. I feel breathe like right I, and... uh, both breathe right, um, but I went for two different sizes. See, that's the large. Uh, Are the breathe right ones uh, menthol? Oh, I, li- I love how it's large and original. Fucking focus, you bitch! It's not gonna. What if I hide behind? <laughs> yeah, it's focused. Hey, no, it's, there you go. Seventy-five percent of adult noses. I want to see the twenty-five percent. Lifts open nasal passages for up to thirty-one percent more airflow. Breathe right nasal strips may help reduce or even eliminate snoring. 
Uh, are yours au natural, Chris, or are they mentholated? No, they're. Yusuf won't have gone for the menthol because of estrogen. <laughs> this actually does, surprisingly, the large ones do kind of smell tiny, a bit mentholated, but I don't think that they are. I don't think they're supposed to be. Maybe why just not, kept in the same menthol, Yusuf? Uh, I, I just didn't. I, I'll go for it next time. Okay. I'm not, not too problem. concerned about estrogen for menthol. Thank goodness. Okay. It's, I think the menthol sounds like it would be the best bit. Maybe. It could be the kind it's of thing. It's above your nose. Menthol. How are you going to have menthol? I don't know. Coming... You'll still be able to smell it, won't you? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Let's. I'll get mine on. Johnny, can you not find something to put on your nose and then we can all wear. Yeah, <laughs> sadly. Strips together. Give me a second. It'll be a bit of post it note. Good face, Chris. That's the that's the makeup face. There it is. Yeah. What about oh, that? Brilliant. Oh, that's lovely. We look technically, fantastic. this is a this is on my nose, and it it's similar, isn't it? It's a festive a festive nasal decongestion that you've got on there. Do they light up? No. No. Johnny had a pair of sunglasses briefly. Okay, so my last one. What am I going to do for my last one? Uh to get some nasal strips. Now. I hope we're doing a what are we watching round. Oh end. yeah, of course. Oh. Of course. You think I'm going to miss off that? <laughs> best best blood. Because you just watched it, the third film ever. <laughs> Ready for them. Um okay, so how about this is a final one for traveling, but it's also for people that are staying in uh hotels since COVID have stopped turning down people's rooms. They don't, yeah. they don't do room term down service unless you request it. And they say that it's due to COVID safety regulations. And it's How long are they going to milk that for? Absolutely not. It's exclusively due to the fact that they don't want to have to send the maids around to every different room. So when you check in, that is the time, every single time to say, can I just make sure that we're going to have turn down service every day that I'm here? Because if you try and ring them, even when you check in, once you've gone up to the room and you ring down, what they'll say is, sorry, we need 24 hours notice in order to be able to plan this. In some places, they'll, wow. say, they'll say that they need 24 hours notice. If you do it when you check in and they say, we need 24 hours notice, you go, look, I've just checked in. That's a ridiculous rule. Hotels are such gaslighters. They do it with the um, towels and, the, and washing, don't they? They say, oh, to protect the environment, we're not going to do any laundry unless you put it in the bath or unless you request it or something. You're like, it's not for the environment. Though, unless really, you it? damage the planet. And in your selfish manner, yeah, <laughs> you'll use the same oh, towel. I'm paying 250 quid a night for this room. Let me clean my towels. Yeah, I realise there was a carbon offset here. So yeah, <laughs> ask for room turned down at a hotel as soon as you check in. It's just it happened in Guatemala. I needed to do that. I went three days without a turn down service, and then realised that I needed to request it, which was 24 hours. So it was four days before I actually had my room turned down. Uh yeah, highly done. Okay, as is tradition, let's do a little loop around of what we've been watching netflix series documentaries youtube stuff anybody he's like so that? excited isn't he bursting i see it uh shall is, i go first his nasal strips vibrating with excitement <laughs> is the the potatoes now i'd say a little bit cooler than room temperature but i'm, I'm happy to safely I'm in happy your to hands. Handle it. take it away johan um <clears throat> first one's just come out actually have you, has anyone seen the first knives out film is that yes. with that that new things with Daniel Craig, right? Yeah. No, Did, I just no. Okay, so that, it's a bit of an acquired taste. But if you if you enjoy Knives Out, the first film, there's a new one called Glass Onion. I think it's called it a Knives Out Knives Out production or something. It's like number one in the UK on Netflix. Um, 
it's pretty good. I just really like Benoit Blanc. How does Greg's it compare character. to Knives Out? Uh, similar. Uh, hold on, what do you mean? Like, <clears throat> so it's not a sequel, is it? No, just it's not. A... Uh, no, it's not a sequel. It's a, um, Benoit Blanc's in it, so he's the okay. the common theme. Um, so it, Ed if you Norton's were to, in it. Um, if you were to rate Knives Out out of ten, would it be higher or lower? It would be. <laughs> Is this because you're deciding whether to watch it or not? Yeah. It's, is that because you didn't enjoy Knives Out? And so kind of... it, it was just on the threshold. So if it's lower. Oh, much. wow. Yeah, it probably is slightly lower. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch the first one. Was the first one good? It, it's like I say, it's just so it's just a really acquired taste. Like you'll either watch it and think, what the fuck is this? Why has Johnny recommended this? Or you'll find it really funny. I find Benoit Blanc funny. Daniel Craig's character. So... All right, Yusuf, what, what's, what you the, what's the one film you've watched over the last 100 episodes? So it was a series called Devil's Hour. <sighs> and I recommended Johnny to watch it. And he, I think it's the, probably the first thing that I've ever recommended Johnny to watch uh, um, that you've not already seen. But So I think it's the best series I've ever seen. Wow. It's top three for me, for sure. I think it goes Breaking Bad, Midnight Mass, Devil's Hour. The fuck's Midnight Mass? It's based on a Stephen King book, so it's really well written, and it's incredible. What's Devil's Hour? It's got Malcolm Tucker in it. Right. Well, it hasn't. It's got Malcolm Peter Tucker. Capaldi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I've got to be very, we've got to tread very carefully here, but it's a psychological thriller that is very dark and has lots of unfolding... Mm. unusual events and i think that's all i can say okay uh what's it on netflix amazon prime i think and how many episodes how long i think it's like five or six so it's it's nice and contained it's not it doesn't feel like it drags out there are some series we like oh come on this could have been like four episodes rather than 15 mm. i would say just a editor's note that mm. When you said recommended it to me, for my first thoughts were like, this is decently complicated. Like for something to just sit back and, and enjoy, there's a lot of different plot lines. And it does take a couple of episodes to, for you to be Don't like, that. okay, yeah. this is pretty good. And then the final couple of episodes, like the final one, especially where everything's revealed, insane. Oh, so it's really worth like, resisting. How, how scary is it? Because when I hear thriller suspense... I think scary, and I don't do. I don't do. Well I love with, that you don't like scary. Films. I don't. I really don't like scary films. <laughs> not good with scary films. It's not scary at all. Okay, good. The Devil's Hour. That that will all be revealed. Why it's called that? Sounds like it might be scary. Okay. Have you seen Treason? No. Watch Treason. Is that one, Watch one Treason. Netflix came out. I may have only come out yesterday. Um, I have been recovering with this flu that has nailed me twice in two different countries now. Uh, and in the space of the two days it's been out, I've finished it. So I recovered to treason. Very good. Uh, the head of MI6 gets poisoned within the first three minutes of the series. And then a new understudy takes his place. And it's all political backbiting and stuff goes on and his family gets involved and an ex-lover comes over and the Russians are in it and everything. And it's just a bunch of pretty well-known British actors that you'll be familiar with. The Irish mob boss from that 
mob series that we were watching a little while ago is in it. The one that took uh, ayahuasca on that like real high class retreat with his wife and went crazy. Um, he's uh, in it. Yeah. A bunch of people that you'll recognize from things like The Thick of It. Uh, just good class of British characters. Um, good. Yeah, easy, easy watching. Five episodes could could have been a little bit more compelling, but pretty pretty enjoyable. Pretty enjoyable watch. Pretty easy going. Nice. Um, uh, the new, the Litvinenko series. Anyone seen that? I think it's on. It's on like ITV Player or BBC, um, and it just documents the Alexander Litvinenko. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, like the actual events. Who was so, that? So, what is he? Uh, he was a former Russian. KGB agent. Oh, he's the nerve Liv- agent guy. Didn't him and his daughter both got got I think just him. Okay. Just him. Yeah, there was there was another incident where like two people got poisoned in Salisbury, I think it was. Yes. Uh yeah. So one. this was this is predates that. Um he was like poisoned in a hotel with um I don't know. And one of the one like it's it's the most dangerous substance. Some nasty bastard nerve agent. Yeah. yeah. Um, only but only just, available like, in Russia documents like uh the, the british police dealing with it and um pretty good nice good good, good series and it's just i didn't called know Lit- like Vinyanko. half i think so yeah i i didn't know like half the stuff that happened and how like it's just audacious to just come into the uk and poison someone with something like that and then leave again like <laughs> this wasn't the guys what were like, you guys doing like the cathedral the the brothers that went into like durham cathedral or something and no, no, don't I think, don't think so. so. No, it was in a hotel in London. They put like a nerve agent in a, is it polonium or something like that? Hmm. Um, put it in his green tea, in a pot of green tea in a hotel. And they then subsequently found like traces of it in the green tea that had, had been like through days and days of cycles. They still found traces of it and they had to, to bury him in like a, uh, metal coffin to. This nerve agent shit's no joke, man. The, the, <laughs> as they were tracking the, father and daughter i think that got popped with it or mm. the the one in salisbury they were able to see where they'd been for hours yeah. afterward yeah. oh he touched this cup oh he'd 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 stood on this step he'd brushed past this particular tree or something it's the the, the point they're making the in both dramas about both of those happening is that like it can there can be a speck of it on a on a table and you could test just to the left of it just to the right of it miss it entirely and you have to test exactly where it is, otherwise you can't detect it. But if someone touches it, that's it. Game over. Game over. So it's so hard to once it once there's been some of it in somewhere, it's so hard to find it and detect it and remove it. Shit. And it's incredibly toxic. Okay. So. Yusuf, have you watched anything else? Yeah, so a couple of hat tips again to Johnny, because you recommend I think you recommended both of these. The night manager. Yep. Which was good had a sort of young Daniel Craig in it. Yeah. Um, who's very charming and very British. You're um, talking about the guy that plays Loki. Uh-huh. Tom. Hanks. No. Tom Hanks, that's it. Yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, the, yeah, okay. That guy. Um, I watched that as well. I thought that was great. It's also got Hugh Tom Laurie Hiddleston. in it. Right? Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, Tom yeah. Hiddleston and Hugh Laurie. Yeah, both yeah. of them are in it. Okay. And Tom Holland is also in it. Um, and then the other one was The Suspect. 
which was also good. Kind of psychological thriller with an Irish man. So funnily enough, that was actually the thing I was going to say next. So thank you. For oh, that. no, I've stolen it from you. Well, no, I think I might have said it on the last life hacks. What was the second one? Watch the night manager. And what's the other one? Suspect. Watch the suspect. Okay. So, so the, those were my hat tips. Just yes. and in terms oh, this of this isn't you. That wasn't your. Yeah. So just in terms of things to things things to to watch, Chris, you recommended Coffeezilla a while back. I've seen some of his recent stuff, and he is a specimen. Some he's of the very best shit on the guy. internet at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Re- he's he's for for people who haven't heard of him, he's an investigative journalist that wears signature suspenders, and he just goes after scammers and crypto warlords and all these kind of people and just goes to town and like peels through the blockchain and looks at the individual transactions and goes to the nth degree to just nail people and he recently nailed sam bankman fried from um s what's the ftx FTX. have you watched have you watched the logan paul three-parter i watched the first one uh, he's yeah diddled diddled yogurt logan paul i haven't seen any of this diddled him hard yeah (laughs) I mean, where, Coffeezilla's, where I Coffeezilla, where just go on, watch the Logan Paul three-parter, that's pretty fun. Okay. Um, it's most fun to watch them as he releases them, because watching them in retrospect, he did a huge five or six-part series across two different channels about Rubet and Steve Will Do It and the Nelk Boys and this uh, crypto gambling that occurs in... I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It's It's most fun to watch them as they come out. Because you get to then, yeah, you get to then think about what's going to happen next. And you also get to see the reactions from people real time as they put defensive tweets up or whatever. You can go and like have a bit of a a stalk. Um, I don't think Logan Paul's actually responded to this most recent thing. The whole, the whole impression I get from watching it, because you know, you, when, when you start creating content, you see it with a kind of creator's eye. And I'm thinking, okay, like he's putting a lot of effort for this. Like you can really tell he's put in the time and the, the cost and everything to, to make this video. But the main thing is, like, he has pissed off a lot of people. He is definitely going to be on at least five, maybe ten people's hit list. Mate, so he- I, I know I know from from a very, very good source that he's had a ton of wild shit happen to him from people that he's uh, investigated. And he's had these emails that say shit like, uh, we are never going to stop. I hope that your kids and their grandkids are ready for this because they're never going, we're never, ever, ever going to stop. And you're like, fucking hell. And he, he doesn't monetize. He doesn't do sponsors. He'll make money from AdSense and he's just started a Patreon. So if you like what he does, you should go and subscribe to his Patreon because this guy pays an awful lot of private prices to be able to do what to everyone else is basically just entertainment. You know, like exactly. no one else is gaining from Logan Paul being taken down, really. I mean, some people have got money back or some people have been sent to jail or whatever because of the downstream impact of particular investigations that he's begun. But yeah, he's a, he's a motherfucker. Coffeezilla is great. Um, I'll do something that I actually watched last night and I've spoken about them before, but they've just released something new. Melody Sheep on YouTube. So they make these beautifully soundscaped, fully 3D model documentaries about what it would be like to journey through the universe or to go to different solar systems. They did a three-part series called Alien Worlds, which showed what... It it created an imaginary museum of other different types of alien life forms that could 
evolve on different sorts of planets. So this would be on a planet with really high gravity, one with huge amounts of sunlight, one with tons of oxygen. This is what silicon-based life could look like. This is what artificial intelligence could look like. And it's so beautifully designed. It's absolutely gorgeous. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And the most recent one that they just did is about um, other inhabitable planets that we could go and see. But it's not just... um, like stock footage, it's all custom created for this, soundscaped over the top, and he'll fly you through the world on the bottom, and he'll show you a three-star, the only planet we know that orbits a three-star system in the habitable zone, and he'll try and render what a sunrise from three stars would look like on this thing as he's just talking over the top of it. The one thing that I would caveat is if you don't have YouTube Premium, he fucking pounds you with ads. It's every five minutes. So... I highly recommend watching it on someone's account that's got YouTube Premium, but Melody Sheep and the most recent one, which I think is a journey to an alien world or something like that, is top-notch. Nice. Sounds good. Let's round it up there, gentlemen. Where should people go if they want to check out the stuff that you do and what is is it that you do? Two things. If you want to um, just get some macros from us, some calorie recommendations... We have a calculator on our website. So go to propanefitness.com and it's on the homepage. If the other side of what we do is we help people, mainly personal trainers, fitness coaches, gyms, move their business online. We summarize how we do all of that. We give you a free training that summarizes the entire process at propanefitness.com forward slash modern wisdom. Big up. What else have you got coming up? Is there anything else that people should expect from you guys soon? Just more of the same. We're just always trying to slightly improve everything. More podcasts and stuff. We've got some exciting back-end stuff for our kind of inner circle of of clients um, that we is, you know, obviously a black ops operation. We Mm. can't, can't talk about, but yeah, we're going, going big on YouTube this year. So have a look at us on there. Cool. Boys, I appreciate you. We're going to go for chicken uh, next week. uh, Yes, we are. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you. See you. 